this is the Blue Buck, um, the home of New Amsterdam. And you're joining us on Ad Night 2019. Um, we decided that maybe um, substance was the, uh, the ideal focus for this evening. Um, and the substance that we're focusing on tonight is transformation. Um, and we've asked a couple of people to join us today. Um, I got us hold the mic. Yeah, you got, you got like the coolest one. Ooh, what's going on? What about did you break the mic? Oh. I've already did this. It's, it's okay. Yeah. It's nice. No, but then you hear like everything. Okay. All right. Ooh, technique. Sorry for that. All right. So, um, talking about transformation tonight, this is a silent podcast. That's why you're all wearing headphones. Um, please meet. Well, my name is Jelani Isaacs. I'm the chief executive producer at New Amsterdam. I'm joined tonight by Alexander. Alexander, you uh, work for Vodafone Zigo, correct? I do. Yeah. Um, how did you get to the point where you are now? So what did you do, well, let's say after uh, high school? Um, wow, so after high school, I um, actually messed around a lot. <laughs> Doing what? Um, yeah, I started working at a, a production company, actually, um, assisting directors. And uh, that's where I found out that I actually wanted to work in the creative industry. So I did a, uh, I, I didn't, studied directly after my high school diploma. I, I worked. And uh, at a certain point, I realized I did have to uh, graduate or get a degree in something that would uh, allow me to work at an agency or do some creative work. So I studied interactive media right here in Amsterdam. And um, after that, I started working at a small activation agency uh, founded by a couple of friends of mine. And basically, we messed around a lot, but we made money doing that, so nice. that felt good. <laughs> and I started as a designer, okay. and um, I did that for a couple of years, and uh, the agency matured, so we hired people, and it, uh, it, at a certain point, I had to uh, actually formalize my own work and become an art director, creative director, um, to sort of uh, structure the company in a way. We grew from five guys to 30 at a certain point. Wow. And, um, we worked a lot with telco companies, um, yep. and what we mostly did is uh, activations as a component of uh, larger campaigns. Um, activations offline or activations online? Yeah, both. Both. So it started as uh, just uh, doing crazy stuff on, on, on festivals, events, etc. But that moved on to an online component. It was back. This was back when online meant uh, you're taking pictures on an event, so you need to post them online. <laughs> Uh, uh, and then that became, hey, look, if we're building websites, what can we do uh, next to that? You know, can we move the actual activation to an online environment? So that's how the company grew from, that's back then it was like 12 people to uh, suddenly we needed a lot of designers, need a lot of front-enders, back-enders, et cetera, to build all these platforms. And um, that became, at a certain point, an acti online activation, but also gamification agency. Yeah. At a certain point, it switched to an actual game, we have a gamification company building games mostly, and that became the business. And for me, it became time to think about something else. That, that was 10 years in by that time. So 
Um, I decided to look around and I landed a, uh, I saw a position at Vodafone Ziggo or Vodafone back then. What was it, was it called? It was called Campaign Specialist. Okay. <laughs> uh, and I thought, well, you know, it's, it's, it can be fun to build campaigns, uh, but it's kind of a step down from creative director. But let me just um, have a conversation with them and see what, uh, what they're looking for. And um, basically, uh, the, uh, the, the role that was described is not what they hired me to do. Like the guy that hired me said, uh, yeah, well, just come in and just, um, just kick against things and see what drops and then, you know, just, just break conventions basically. See what can be changed and try to change those things. And how, how, big, was the, how big was the group of people you could kick against? Um, well, if, if I listened literally to this guy, it was everything that, yeah. I, that I thought could be improved upon. Uh, but there was also a brand director in place, and it was an actual Vodafone group office that you had to align with and get things approved. <laughs> so, so, the rules. so there was a scope of influence, you know, so to speak. Um, and um, yeah, in the first year, it was it was rough. It was uh, for me, it was uh, stepping from a small agency to like a big advertiser, and um, it was uh, it was also a, for personally felt like I had to prove myself, you know. So there was a lot of pressure on on performance. And I said yes to everything. It's like every job that came towards me or every opportunity I saw, I just jumped on it. And um, at a certain point, it was just uh, time to cool down. And that's what I did. So I focused my energy a lot on just doing certain things and then doing them from A to Z. And that's where my role really kicked in. I found my place within the company. So did you change uh, a name? I mean, did you change title name? No, no, no. The title is still the same, actually. But the job has never been the same. I think that every six months, my job is transformed in that, in that place. And I think that also that's, that's something that maybe for me, but I find it in more people. Uh, Vodafone Ziggo is a place where you, um, you, you can actually create your reality there. You can have a lot of influence on the things that you do. If you have an idea and you can uh, build momentum for it, and you can build traction for it, then you, you will get the support to actually build on that idea. So can I stop you for a second? So what's interesting is because we're in a headphone podcast, we all think that we're not actually talking, but we can hear all of you talking <laughs> in the corner as well. So that's maybe a good thing to say. When people wearing this... Ah, see? Nice. All right, back to you. That, that was good. Um, <laughs> you raised so, me well. So you're a Vodafone native, you can say. Uh, yeah, I'm former Vodafone. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Then you guys went into a merger, which is actually the main reason I invited you tonight okay. because I think you guys probably did uh, the one thing that everybody dreads when they start a business is that you try to combine two worlds, correct? Um, yeah, technically it's a joint venture which it's merging two companies, but yeah. um, it's a 50-50 one, so that's quite unique. Yeah. And, um, but yes, it's something that uh, brings up a lot of challenges. And, um, but just bring me back, so joint venture, what is the difference between a joint venture and a regular merger? So in, in a regular merger, you would have a dominant party. Um, and in a joint venture, speci specifically 50-50 joint venture, you have equal grounds. You have like two mother companies and they have equal say on things. Wow. So that makes, uh, that makes it um, politically complicated. I have to say though that uh, for us as employees, it's been quite smooth. Uh, we ha obviously we have challenges running two brands simultaneously, but um, from a mother company in alignment on strat strategy perspective, it's, it's, you know, we have good leadership. 
why did you why do you think the merger was uh, instated? Why did you guys merge? That is, it's um, it's a strategy thing for the business, basically. So the industry, the, the telco industry, especially specifically in the Netherlands, um, um, if you want to be able to compete, you need to be able to offer a converged proposition, which basically means you need to be able to uh, offer fixed, mobile, and entertainment, television, etc. In one. In one, as well as in one uh, as one product, as one subscription, as one proposition. Is is there is there an example of another company? It does the same. Yeah, KPN would be the obvious example. Yeah. And they were the only one uh, able to offer it um, with the speeds and with the, uh, the, um, the, the barriers of quality that you would want for such a proposition. And um, Liberty Global, the mother company for Ziggo and Vodafone Group, the, the, the group entity, they saw an opportunity to uh, use in the Netherlands as a pilot country to start a joint venture, a 50-50 joint venture, to be able to build that proposition, to be able to say, okay, so here we have two brands, and if we can join them together, they can build on top of each other and have one proposition for the Dutch market that equals or has. It sounds so easy. It sounds very easy when you <laughs> when you lay it out like that. It sounds very easy. So it is not. So how were you guys told, or how how were you guys prepared? I mean, I would think if you're Vodafone native, if somebody comes in and says, oh, by the way, um, I got your new roommate. You haven't met that person yet, but here, here he is. Boop. Yeah, you have no idea, man. This was, this was my first year in the company, and I was already getting like, okay, so I started at Vodafone, now we're going to become something else. You know, it's a reorganization as well. Like, you're brand new, and then you suddenly hear, okay, this is kind of people will have to, you know, maybe leave or stuff. Yeah. There was a lot of uh, ruckus and a lot of movement in that time. But um, I like business-wise, strategically, it just made sense. You have to make these moves and able to compete. And yeah. uh, Telco is one of the... Uh, most competitive markets out there and it's also one of the most difficult to uh, break ground in it's very stable in that sense so I mean obviously two different cultures Zigo is also a TV production company right they yeah. they create their own content yeah more so than than Vodafone would would be doing at that yeah. time so in those in those culture in those culture connects what would be your, your, well, what's the biggest challenge you witness now in hindsight between the two? So what was the biggest difference in culture that now when you're looking back, went, oh, shit, that's something I would have wanted to known from the get-go. Um, so uh, most of us had a little idea of the uh, intricacies and the inside reality of Ziggo as a company. Yeah. And... Um, um, in the preparation up to the joint venture and launching the joint venture, uh, things were kept pretty much on the wraps for those people involved in the launch of the joint venture. So for us, it was a big surprise and a big, you know, like what, what it will be like when we go live with uh, becoming one company as Vodafone and Ziggo. Excuse me. Sure. And um, the, uh, I, th I guess that the, the, the big contrast there was that Vodafone was very much an international company with um, a lot of alignment, a lot of collaboration with the other 24 or 23 Vodafone countries. Right. And um, it's, a, it's an international brand. So and the way we worked, it wasn't localized from group. We did our own thing, but you have this perception of an international brand that you keep in mind when you know, building that brand. And Zego is like homebrew, you know, it's Dutch, it's a Dutch brand. It's grown, uh, it's, it's grown up here, it's built from the ground up. And that was the big contrast. Like, 
they are not used to aligning with a group office. They are not used to collaborating with other countries when it comes to proposition creation or brand strategy, etc. And um, for us as a brand team, that was a big what what it will be like. Yeah, because that's that's that was part of the task for you as well, is to then get those two cultures to become one culture. Well, if you look at the bigger company, like yeah. th there's so many layers, like layers that I'm not even acquainted with or aware of, because it's Vodafone and Zico both are a giant technological company. How many people work in Vodafone Zico in, in? So total, we are uh, um, roughly 8,000 people working wow. scattered across the country. Wow. Yeah. And how and, and what's the division? So how much of that is ex Vodafone and how much of that is ex Zico? Um, and I keep saying that, but maybe you're telling I have, me. I have no idea, honestly. I think that is about three to three thousand Vodafone, five thousand Zico, maybe, or okay. it's maybe it's split. In, I, I don't know. Because and maybe I'm, I'm jumping the gun, but you guys operate still under your own. So Vodafone operates under the logo of Vodafone to its telecom yeah. uh, uh, customers, and Zico still operates as Zico towards the Zico customers. Yeah. Yeah. And the only togetherness is at the head office then. Um, uh, well, all offices are co-branded because okay. Vodafone Zigo is the company. You could actually, you could compare it to Unile uh, Unilever. Yep. And then uh, we are sort of a holding brand. Yep. Vodafone Zigo is a holding brand. And then Vodafone and Zigo are the brands that we publish, the brands that we run. So Vodafone Zigo is the entity of the company, yep. but the brands are separate. And that's the strategy that we chose when we started this joint venture. So in what, in what cases does the culture need to be the same and in what cases can the culture still run its own course talking about culture i think that that's really an internal thing yeah like how these uh, how people operate and uh you need one culture because you are running one company yeah. but you're publishing two brands basically and or actually three brands because you have a no frills brand as well holland's Niva. it's also part of the oh yeah of course and um you need one culture as a company because that's about how you work and the choices that you make and uh, the collisions that you uh, that you run into and how you solve them. Um, but then in terms of actually your 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 touch points and your interface to your customers, that's where you become strategic and you divide and you say, this is Vodafone, this is Zigo, this is Holland's Niva. Um, and that's that's important for the people that actually are an interface, are a front face, a touch point to our customers. So retail staff. Uh, web chat, you know, service agents, technology staff that does support, etc., uh, and also us as brand builders. So now, how long has the merger been active? So how long have you been? We're in the last quarter of our first three years, so oh, nice. it's been almost three years now, and, and the contract is running up. Actually, the the contract for the joint venture has um, has a, a, a duration of three years. And then. And that's that's the the conversations that are, are going on right now, I guess. Oh shit! So yeah. you could still go back apart again if nobody nobody says, "Well, it didn't work." Uh, yeah, on. yeah it, technically, that is a, that is a possibility. Nice. A realistic that's a scoop you got here, right here. Guys. <laughs> Real, realistically, <laughs> that's not gonna. That, I mean, it would be a big surprise. Yeah, the strategy be. has worked. Um, it, it has delivered what we set out to do. Um, and then some, you know, so yeah. we are quite happy. And I think that um, my boss's boss's boss, et cetera, is also very happy. I don't think that uh, the conversations that are being had right now are. Because, I mean, there had to be challenges. There had to be, in those three years, there had to be challenges. What were your biggest two? 
Um, when running into the joint venture, when starting yeah. up the joint venture? Yeah. Okay. So the biggest challenge for us, obviously, was okay. We are going to um, we're going to do a merger or joint venture, um, and how are we going to orchestrate our brands? What is going to be the brand strategy there? And um, the one option was we're going to go with Vodafone, and everything will be Vodafone branded, or we're going to go with Ziggo. And that actually, when we set out, that was still the scenario that was going to happen at a certain point. Um, but um, the third option was run both brands simultaneously, build them during the joint venture, but uh, connect them on a proposition level. And that is what we actually did. We are still doing that. We are still building both brands separately. So if you are in a Vodafone customer journey and you're running to Vodafone Touchpoints, um, you will see Ziggo there, um, but it's still a Vodafone, completely Vodafone branded environment. And also, n not just in logo setting and brand identity, but the full run, like the tone of voice, the proposition setting, etc. It's it's all a Vodafone entity, and it starts from a Vodafone mindset. And Ziggo the same. So what was the challenge then? So the challenge there was uh, actually coming up with this strategy and deciding we're going to run two brands simultaneously. And you can imagine, when you, one of the things that you do a joint venture for is financial synergies. Sure. But if you then say, but we are still going to advertise both brands as aggressively as we have done in the past. And keep in mind that we as Vodafone and Ziggo were one of the most visible advertisers in, in the Netherlands. Um, so to join those two, you'd say, okay, so there's going to be some cuts in visibility maybe. No, that was, there, there was no <laughs> compromise made <laughs> in that sense. Uh, and that, that makes uh, media planning and, um, uh, and just, you know, overall investment structuring, that makes it a big challenge. So, Because you're basically capitalizing or you're, you're cannibalizing or you're on the same audience with both brands. So how many, how many times a month do you all sit together, both brands, departments, and kind of go, okay. Yeah, so that's the interesting thing. There's one brand department. Nice. Because we, those, we did merge. There's one brand director, there's one media manager, uh, and um, when when you're talking about commercial communication, there's two managers there in place yeah. that run Vodafone and run Ziggo. But from a planning and strategy perspective, there's one decision maker, um, and that is that that's the way to run those things. So you have a point of orchestration, a point of alignment, where you can say, okay, so this audience will be targeted by Vodafone this period, and then we will switch to Vodafone, uh, Ziggo or you retarget, or you have, as we launched, you have a separate strategy where you advertise your joint venture or your joint branded uh, proposition, and you just uh, collect your traffic and collect your media for that. Okay, Alex, you need, I need an honest answer. You have red blood, Vodafone I do. blood. I do. Vodafone blood. Yes. Now you have to adapt orange blood. Yeah. Do you then say, well, yeah, man, I can accept both entities in my, in my moving forward, in my planning, in my, is that how it works? Oh, for sure, yeah, yeah. For everybody? Yes, well, not, maybe, maybe not, for, by now, I guess, yes. yes. Because if you haven't made that decision in the three years of the joint venture, maybe you're asleep, maybe yeah. you're you know, slacking, but at, um, at a certain point, you need to be able to say, okay, so I see value in what this brand does, and I see value in what that brand does, and I'm going to restructure it and I'm going to make, you know, like I said, 
if you have an idea, if you believe in something, if you want to make something happen, Vodafone Zigo is a place where that's possible, you know? So, nice. so there's always opportunities. So, did you discover anything in the Zigo cabinet that you thought, fuck, why did we think of that? Or, geez, I didn't, I didn't know they have, had all these resources, or... Yeah, yeah, so um, what I liked a lot is they were pretty much uh, farther ahead on their, um, on their uh, digital stack and on their digital platform development. Wow. So um, uh, we, as, we at Vodafone, we're still, uh, our, our entire platform, our entire website, and our entire shop structure was built on HTML and on custom templates, whereas uh, Zigo was working with uh, AEM, Adobe Experience Manager, and uh, in, it's completely flexible, and it's very quick to publish things. And uh, that makes it easy to start your planning, your strategizing, and your concepting on a digital touch point, and then build from there. Which for me is the way to think about campaigning and think about customer journey building. And um, they already had that in place, and they were already doing it that way. Um, you guys have adapted it now. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So the uh, a big project within the company is a, a digital acceleration platform, DAP we call it, um, to actually migrate all the legacy things that we have on a digital scale or a digital platform to a uh, new publishing platform, which is built on top of AEM. And that's, yeah, it's a bit technical, but it's basically, it's, it's a, like a CMS, but fancy and very intricate, very, very uh, uh, sophisticated where you can actually act on insights and have real, da real data coming in real time. So that's very interesting. Obviously. Okay. So now fast forward five years from now. Yeah. One, what are you guys called? Oh, and, what, and, what, and what is your main focus? What do you think is going to be your main focus? Um, what I hope we're called as a, as a um, company is something different than Vodafone Ziggo because okay. it distracts a lot, you know? Okay. It's fine if we publish both brands up until on, in five years. If it works, it works. We need to stick to that. But as a company, we need something like Alphabet or we need something like Unilever, like something that anonymizes the, uh, um, the, the, the actual corporate entity itself. It's not going to happen. I know this. And yeah. I know that, you know, if anybody at C-Level is listening to this, then, you know, they're going to say, what are you, <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> But they're not, so it's no problem. <laughs> no, um, not yet. That, um, but in terms of the company itself, like I'm very excited about um, IoT and 5G. What's IoT? Internet of Things. Okay. So basically, it comes down to uh, like ramming a lot of uh, smart chips that have connectivity in them onto everything that can hold them. Nice. Uh, this bottle could be IoT enabled. And um, uh, that's something that uh, our, our 5G network will play a big role in, in being an infrastructure and a connection hub for all these IoT-enabled devices. So things like um, autonomous driving or like the, the, the example that's been uh, regurgitated the last 15 years, like the fridge that fills itself, these things are actually going to happen soon. And you, what is your role then in five years from now? Are you still the campaign? Wow, dude. Like, I find it really hard to plan five years ahead. Okay. I'm a really like, what's tomorrow, what's next week uh, type of person. Okay. <laughs> uh, I guess that in five years, uh, I hope um, I'll be having fun doing the things that I love. And um, basically that's building stuff. And it could be a variety of things. And right now it's focused on customer journey building and getting design on the map within the company, building a design studio, building a uh, design way of work within the company. And um, 
if we if we get to do that within five years, then probably in five years I won't be needed at this company. So then my challenge will probably be elsewhere. So would you think, you know, honest opinion, you think society follows tech or tech follows society? Like, that's an interesting question. I think that, um, like, you see a lot of technology come up uh, very quickly, but it's never really, um, the adoption of that technology is never really there if society is not ready for it. Gotcha. And society is like a big word, but like subcultures or users or however you want to call it, technology only really thrives when society is ready for it, when a, you know, a group of people is ready for it. So although technology can come first, society decides whether something is successful or not. Cool. Yeah. Is there any topic we have not spoken about that you're passionate about that you want to throw in here? Wow. Uh, something that you've, that, that you've experienced in the last years or that you're experiencing now or that you see an insight you see coming that you feel that... In the context of Ad Night and probably yeah. a lot of creatives sitting here that uh, are interested in production, like the, um, for us as a big advertiser, um, what's really happening is that the scale of production is narrowing and is becoming smaller. The value of production is becoming smaller, although we do still have you know, our ATL layer, so to speak, where we do big productions. The focus and the need and also the leverage and the actual impact of smaller touch points that have a smaller audience are more tailored to a specific message. Yeah. Um, that is a big change in the creative industry as a whole and specifically uh, video production, visual production. And that is something that um, uh, yeah, keeps me busy a lot because we need to facilitate that as a brand team uh, for the entire uh, organization. Um, so I think that that is, that is a very relevant topic to also address, you know, like how do and you... be aware of. Yeah, and be aware of, like, like how do you adapt your skills to, you know, of course it's nice, you know, to the big big, you know, half a million do, uh, euro productions and, you know, the TVC that, you know, it's really highbrow, et cetera. But eventually, like, the, um, the thing that the, like us as a company, but a lot of advertisers out there really like is, like, the smaller, very effective and very efficient, but also very relevant for that specific target audience oh, message, good. you know. So those type of productions, I'm really keen to, you know, seeing what we can do there. <laughs> Make yeah. me think of... Demolition Man, remember that film with Sylvester yeah, Stallone? Yeah. That the jingles became the radio songs? Yeah. <laughs> That's where we're going, uh, Alexander. Thank you. Thank you for Thanks. being here tonight, man. Thank you for having me. It was lovely. Give a big yeah. hand. Thank you.